in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. Brother Phil. The topic today. Order of end time events. Mm -hmm. We are going to put all the major end time events in order. It's kind of difficult because, you know, there's not any one place in the Bible that has everything in order. So, you know, you have prophecies here, prophecies there. Well, what kind of chronological order do they all go in? That's what we're going to talk about today. Well, and it's, you think, well, why is that important? Well, it's kind of important for the simple fact that it helps us to kind of see things in retrospect of when they occurred see a lot of people and in the church right now are of the mindset that some of these are i would say more than half these things are still yet to happen you know we're at the situation where i you know most of the churches almost none of this has really happened (laughs) i mean it's been you know almost two thousand years now um and we haven't really had anything happen for a lot of churches. None of the end time events have occurred. Right. Everybody's still waiting for everything. Like the church is in like a holding pattern. Almost like it's been frozen. Right. In time or frozen in, well, what is about to happen, what should be happening hasn't happened yet. But they're like, then like you said yesterday, we were talking about this. For 50 years, they've been saying that things are going to happen. Hollywood's been at it for 50 years, but <laughs> they've been saying it for many more years. The church has. And it's just getting to be kind of old. What we're trying to do is we're trying to explain to people on the show. I want, th- th- this show will give you an idea of where we're coming from. Right. Most of these end-time events that people are just waiting for right around the corner are just really just already happened because they were already in our past. That's the problem. Well, see, I think that the issue is that evil has done such a good job with the cover-up. I mean, if you talk about a cover-up of all cover-ups, it's keeping the millennial reign under wraps. When it happened, to let anyone know any evidence of when it happened, and I think it's just really, it's sad because, you know, there are so many things that people are now figuring out that this is what they said occurred, but this is their evidence of their masquerading that the millennial event, the millennial kingdom ever happened. Well, it's not just a millennial kingdom. It's, uh, it's all these other events yeah. too, yeah. that we're, we're going to talk about today. Let's go ahead and get started. Now I'm going to give you some approximate dates. Again, they're going to be approximate. They're not going to be exact, but I'm just trying to give you an idea of kind of where a lot of these end time events that happen in our Bibles where they fit in, and kind of what are the approximate dates. And the first one we're going to go into, we're going to start from the birth of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go on from there, and there's about, uh, and my list of, the number one is birth of Christ all the way to the end. There's 22. That's what we have. That's what I have. I mean, there's probably more that I kind of probably put in there, but I just put in 22 main events that have transpired. Let's go ahead and start with number one. Birth of Christ, you know, zero AD. I'll just put zero AD on that one. It's maybe three BC, but we get the idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> now, what's the next one? Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension. Okay, that happened around thirty-three AD or so. Well, we all right, know he was thirty-three years old. Right around there. Uh, you know, I'm just giving some approximates, but anyway. The next one, number three. The gospel message went out and was preached to everyone on earth. The gospel message was preached to the entire world in the first century. Now, a lot of people, they can't believe 
that I've, I've stated this before, and I've actually done a show on this. But you can look up my show. I mean, okay. it's right there. And what I'm trying to explain to you is that the Bible actually tells us that pretty much everybody in the world got the gospel message preached to them within a very short time span in that first century. Right. A lot of times what are pe- what preachers today are waiting for is, oh, well, the gospel message has been preached everywhere, so Christ isn't going to be able to return yet. No, he oh, it, the gospel message has already been preached. And not only has, was it preached... But then there was a, what was it, what's now, we, we go to the next event that happens after that. Go ahead, what's the next event after the gospel message preached to all, everybody heard the gospel message. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, if they think that everyone hasn't heard the gospel message, they're slightly wrong in the fact that people probably have all heard it, they're just not accepting it. We, have, we live in a day and age where everyone has access to God's word. Yep. I mean, let's face it, name a, a group of people that on this earth, uh, yeah, other than like some tribe somewhere in the middle of nowhere that has no contact with with any others there's very few of those i mean really in, in reality there's not a country on earth that doesn't have the gospel message now the, the question is is there's certain churches there's certain countries and certain regions that are following it a lot better than mm-hmm. other regions we get mm-hmm. that but there's churches in every single country on earth. We're not in a situation where we don't have saturation. No. The gospel has been saturated throughout the whole earth. Now, certain people are more apt to accept it. Mm-hmm. Certain cultures are more apt to accept the God's word. So the next thing that happened at, in the first century after the gospel must have been preached to the entire world is what? The great falling away. Okay, there was even a falling away that happened uh, Paul says all Asia has departed. You know, he lost a lot of churches in Asia, and there's whole regions of people that basically rejected the gospel message, well, even that, in the first century. That's really interesting. Um, I was thinking about that just recently, you know, that he said that. But you hear about this huge underground church going through China, and you kind of wonder, okay, if all of Asia left Paul, then are they... Now coming back? There's certain areas that are a lot more fertile to the gospel message than others. Well, like you said before, so. when people go through a persecution, which they have gone through a persecution over there, intense persecution, yeah. that it may rise them up to more clarity and understanding of the truth of God's word. And towards the end, you know, there's basically a 40-year time span between the Christ's ascension and when the, the all all the the nasty stuff starts happening right. at the end of the age essentially okay. which is which came right around 70 AD mm-hmm. the next thing that happens right before 70 AD shows up and the destruction of the temple and all this other stuff is what a seven year tribulation and the mark of the beast. The seven-year tribulation is kind of split up into two parts. There's the three and a half years of just the tribulation, mm-hmm. and then three and a half years of the what's called the great tribulation. Okay. Now this is kind of when all most of the apostles all got oh. killed for their faith, and a lot of people were getting martyred for their faith during this time. When the persecution amps up. It was a worldwide persecution of the church because Rome was running the entire world at the time. Mm. Something you don't really read about in your history books, but the Bible actually tells us. Okay, right. This seven years was the toughest persecution of the church ever. Worldwide, pers- there's never been a time that we've had mm. worldwide persecution yeah. of the church since that yeah. time. There's been regional persecutions on the church here and there, you know, throughout history and whatnot, but right. never a worldwide persecution of the church. Right. That happened... In the first century, under the tutelage of Rome, that was running everything at the right. time. They were running the world at the time, and of course they put a, a, a proclamation out, you know, kill all the Christians and whatnot, persecute them and everything else. This is what, what, what happened. Now, this was, of course, everybody had to make it through. This is when the Mark of the Beast showed up. And, of course, you, you know, they couldn't buy, the Christians at that time couldn't buy or sell without taking the mark. So, pretty much what you're saying was the Antichrist... And, well, the Mark of the Beast with the Antichrist, well, Satan was still around, so they were all in collusion. That's what you're saying? Well, we, we know that Rome was being run by a bunch of demons. Okay, okay, right. This is the reason why you had the worldwide persecution of the church is because the power structure was centralized in Rome, and the Bible states that there's demons that were running Rome. 
So what do you think the demons were wanting to do? Okay, well, right, they were they wanting consolidating to, powers. No, no, <laughs> they want to take out their competition. Well, yes, and that's what well, that's what Christ was. Christ was that stood yeah. with him. Mm -hmm. Christ was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and they were up in opposition to his reign. Right. And so, yeah, they were gonna they were trying to stomp it out quick. The uh, evil magic trio. <laughs> okay, what happens next after the seven year tribulation? So the destruction of the temple. And the Jerusalem by Rome, ending of the Old Covenant. Uh, and well, really halfway through the seven and a half years is essentially when the temple was destroyed. And when, and this is what the Bible calls this the abomination of desolation. Right. Okay, this is when the end of the sacrificial system happens. Rome gets sacked. Everything is, you know, in basically in chaos. Right. When it comes, I mean, Rome, it, it literally gets almost completely wiped out. Exactly. Okay? Almost. I said almost. They, 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 you know, they survived because Christ returned at the last minute here. But that's, we're going to get to that here in the timeline. The destruction of the temple destroyed the old covenant system. Now we're under the new covenant now. And so this is what's going on. And that, of course, happened right around AD 70, right around that time. Okay. Okay, this is when this is the big time frame where a lot of events start happening now because that's the end of that age and the beginning of what we, you know we would call the Christian age that we're right. living in, kind of what we're living in right now. So there is the Bible talks about this age and the age to come, and right there at seventy A.D. was the end of this age. The Bible says. In the beginning of the age to come. This is kind of an important thing to understand because when you read your Bible and you, you see these phrases, you'll kind of understand what we're talking about here. So what happens after the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem by Rome? Return of Christ Jesus, the second coming. Zechariah 14 kind of gives some little bit of indication of kind right. of what happens here. Right. You know, That Christ kind of, when Rome is pretty much, when Rome was sacking Jerusalem. Right. Because of the rebellion and whatnot, when there's only a remnant of people left, mm -hmm. Christ returned and basically kind of rescued that with city. With the angels. Yeah, with the holy angels mm -hmm. and all that. that that's, the, that's when the return of Christ really did happen. Most people, most churches today, no, they're, they're still they're waiting. waiting for that. Exactly. They, they still are waiting for that return of Christ. That's what I'm saying. When Christ very clearly stated. And we have a show coming on that. Talking about how, no, no, the return of Christ, Christ very clearly said it's going to happen in this generation when I'm going to return. Well, that's why I'm confused. And, and I, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's confused to that degree. Why the churches are still so adamant that he hasn't returned. Is it, okay, okay let me ask. Is it one, A, because they think that's for our time? Or B, is it because the cover-up has been so good they can't see that it already occurred? Or you know, notice that that was a past event? Or C, is it because they are just in this mindset that if it's mentioned in the Bible, that it has to pertain to us and we are just as important as anyone else in time, so it would have to be in our time? I think people had this have this preconceived idea that once Christ returns, all the problems of the earth are going to get solved. Uh, okay. This is people's idea. You know, it's like, oh, when Christ returns, all the problems are going to be solved. He's the earth. answer to everything. Yeah, he's going to be the answer to every single problem <laughs> on earth. And so they think, well, see all the problems on earth right now? See, Christ ha couldn't have returned yet. Really shallow mindset for most people, but this is where most people are at now. What they, they think is, oh, when Christ returns, he's going to make force everyone into some kind of forced obedience scenario. And everyone's just going to be obedient to him. And that's going to be the way it is forever. But that's really, I mean, if you... I have a show coming that explains... The millennial reign and Christ's reign. Christ wasn't some tyrant ruler. See, well, he even said when his disciples asked him if he was going to reign or when he, you know, his reign was going to start, they expected him to rule like other rulers of that time. But that was never his purpose or plan. The way that God does things and the way that Christ does things right. is so much different than the way that our current political leaders do things. Right, or anyone yeah. of power in our yeah. time. Today, it's all about, you know, the, the ruler, our rulers are about popularity. It's about... Dictatorship. Oh, yeah, it, you, you got to crush your enemies. Mm -hmm. All this kind of nonsense that goes on, of course, we see in the world today. Christ 
No, it, he wasn't going to have some forced obedience like, you you obey me or else I'm going to crush you. Christ it very clearly always says, hey, why don't you come follow me? Join me. Join my, my, my what I'm trying to do here. Compassionate. And, and as a result, mm-hmm. I will give you eternal life and everything else. But I'm not going to force you to obey me. Now, if you have a situation like that, you're always going to have people that are be like, "Well, if you don't, you're not going to threaten me with anything. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just reject your offer. I'll choose Plan B." <laughs> yeah, and there's always going to be people that you know are going to reject that because they don't either. They don't believe in him. They don't trust what he says. That kind of thing. Or they just reject him because their hearts are never really going to be. You know, and there there may come a time where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But unless they're to the point where there's no no better option, then maybe they'll choose it. But there's just, I think in some people's hearts and minds, there's just rebellion and there's just evil. Right after the return of Christ, what happens? The first resurrection of the saints. Uh, and this is obviously when Christ, you know, we, we see a lot of passages about this. First Thessalonians, you know, that they'll meet Christ in the air. Right. And um, they'll always be with the Lord. These are the only, these are the first, the, what's, what the Bible calls, well, Revelation chapter 20 calls it the first resurrection. These are the people that lived and they're going to reign with Christ for the thousand years. And this, of course, already occurred back then. But, of course, this happened right as his second coming and they met him in the air and they all landed on the Mount of Olives. Right. Of course, and, uh, and you know, splitting the whole mountain in two, basically, is what happened Which there. we have no idea where that's at. Uh, it's not probably located where, you know, they say it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, most of our history has been kind of mostly fabricated. Covered up. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens next. Christ returns and then brings the the first resurrected with him. Okay. okay. So kind of that, that, I guess you could say that's kind of like one event, but I kind of split it up into two. Mm-hmm. You know, but... It's return of Christ, and then along with his return with his holy angels, his holy entourage is there. Um, the saints get resurrected, all the dead in Christ. Okay. And um, all who are alive at that time who, who are in Christ gets resurrected. They, they are with Christ on the Mount of Olives. Well, I would say this next one goes along with the, the first two. Okay, and then this. now what happens next? So next is the Battle of Armageddon. Okay, this is where Christ goes up against... The armies of the earth. Right. So the angels and Christ are fighting against the armies of the earth. Against the armies of the earth. Yeah. Um, And this would be Rome and all these other armies around, of course. This is, I think, the real reason why Rome fell is based on this this battle. Yeah. Not according to history books where, oh, they, they just kind of fell off. No. The real reason why Rome fell is that Christ and the angelic angels crushed them is what happened. If you you already said it, so it's because they were being led by demons. So the yep. only way to defeat them wasn't spiritual powers. Yeah, I mean Rome was being run by demons, right? And Rome was running the world. So demons, right. essentially, demons were running the world. Christ came, crushed the armies, and of course, you know that the demons probably just they fled. They, they, you know, oh, let's get out of here. So they weren't running anything anymore. And then Christ ushered in. What? What's the next thing that happens? After the Battle Beast of Armageddon. And false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Okay. They become POWs in this war. <laughs> the, the beast and the false prophet. They're the ones that are convincing everybody to take the mark during the seven year tribulation. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. The the beast and the false prophet and Satan or demonic powers were kind of running the show with the tribulation and then, you know, that's what they were being defeated by in Armageddon, but you know. Yeah, these are all wicked mm-hmm. entities, right. the beast and the false prophet, and of course they had all the demons running Rome and everything. Mm-hmm. So it, this, it, really, it was. We think that we have things bad now. Yeah, I get it. We do have some th- some things that are really evil and really bad in our culture. But it kind of sounds like during that day and age, it was about ten or twenty times worse. It was horrible. Right. With the physical persecution, the spiritual persecution, the emotional, the psychological persecution, all every kind of persecution you can imagine right. was on the church it's at onslaught. the time. Mm-hmm. It was it was a complete onslaught of persecution. Yep. If you survive that, you deserve that first resurrection, which is what <laughs> right. they got. Right. So the beast of the false prophet were then cast alive in the lake of fire at that point. Okay. There might be someone wondering, okay, so so the beast and the false prophet were thrown into the lake of fire. Why wasn't Satan thrown in there too? Just I'm gonna ask that. God had a plan, a different plan for Satan. Okay, so he's con- yeah, he yeah. still is allowed to continue his under. Well, he gets thrown in the abyss here. 
pretty soon. Okay. We're going to get to that right, part. I know, but I'm just yeah, saying, but he's, so what's he's the time not... frame between this time where they get thrown in Lake of Fire and the time when Satan gets where he's going to go? Well, it's it, within a short amount of time. It's, okay. Yeah, it's not, not very long because... We, we still, what's the next, we got to well, go I'm through the next Well, I'm just saying, it's just not fair to have them get punished and he doesn't get his yet. <laughs> no, no, no uh, Satan, Satan's going to get his I due. know God's timing's perfect, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah, so what's the next thing after the Battle of Armageddon and the Beast and the False Prophet were thrown in the lake of fire at the end of this war? Judgment w- against the nations. The okay. seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. Okay, that's all over Revelation. This is basically the judgment of the living people mm-hmm. on earth. Yeah. A lot of the earth got burned up with fire. That's where the, you get the fervent heat events. Yeah, that was a third of the earth. Yeah, a third of the earth got burned mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and a bunch of uh, p- plagues and pestilence came on because the angels were just were judging the earth at the well, time. Well, and that's... The, the living on the earth. There have been people who have uncovered and can, you can see evidence of a fervent heat event. I mean, there's, uh, you know, lots of... A lot of melted buildings, mm-hmm. a lot of old mountains now. You, you, the people are finding out they're actually just melted buildings and just right. turned into mountains, right. hills and whatnot. And so, yeah, a lot of a lot of mountains, hills are actually melted buildings so from that time frame. Of, yeah. of something occurring. Yes, yeah, so there's some big, huge cataclysmic event that mm-hmm. happened, and it wasn't every place on Earth. It was just a lot of the place on Earth. This fervent heat event where it just burned up the a lot of the Earth. About a third of the Earth got burned up. And, you know, it was pretty disastrous. The uh, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, that's a judgment against the living on earth. Okay. Okay. Now, the next thing that happens, what's next? The great white throne judgment, all resurrected to the new earth. Now, this is where I kind of recently have changed my position on that. The first judgment, the judgment against the nations, was against the people that were alive on earth. But the next judgment was a judgment against the dead. Okay. Okay, in other words, that's what the great white throne judgment was. It was not a, about the living. It was a judgment against the dead. Okay. All the dead that were warehoused in death and Hades were then judged at that point. There's a, a judgment against all the nations, and then that's the resur- That's this final resurrection, or second resurrection of the dead. Right. And this is where every single person on earth got resurrected. Yeah. See, the first resurrection was just for the dead in Christ. They got that first resurrected. Now, after whatever, however long it took for these these events to take place, I don't think it took very long, you have what's known as a, as the Great White Throne Judgment. Right. And this, this is where everybody else gets resurrected. Okay. All the holy saints of the Old Testament, even if you're a wicked person, you're going to get resurrected. Um, that's what you said. That, yeah. that the, the dead will be judged, and then the living, righteous, and the wicked. Right. Everyone at this time at the Great White Throne Judgment that's dead. The, see, the Great White Throne Judgment is only for the dead. The right. living don't get judged in the Great White Throne okay, Judgment. Okay, so the living don't get judged. Because the living already got judged in... The previous yeah, first it, resurrection. In okay. the judgment against the I nation gotcha. side okay. of things. Uh-huh. Okay. So there's a judgment against the nations okay. first, and then this that was for the people that were alive on earth. Okay. And some of them died and everything else in that judgment. Then you have the great white throne judgment right. occurred. So this is for people from the Old Testament, and then... Every single person on earth throughout history who's that, died, that's died. The good and the bad. The good and the bad. Okay. Everyone on earth gets... And I have a show coming explaining how there is going to be a resurrection of every single person on earth. Whether they're evil or they're good. Right. Okay, now, the, of course, good people are going to get resurrection to eternal life. The wicked people, though, they they get resurrection to shame and everlasting contempt and basically punishment, essentially. Well, they're going through the ringer again. <laughs> well, they're getting, they're getting punished for basically their behavior well, and what, you know, well, what's going on. Well, the consequences to their choices. Yeah. yeah, two judgments. Two judgments, right. Judgment against the nations and then judgment against the dead. Okay, so that the yeah. judgment of the nations was prior, but yeah. Yeah. What happens after the Great White Throne Judgment? So then the death and Hades are merged and put into the lake of fire. Okay, I have a, I have a show on Hades, uh, Underworld, and all that coming up. Was that like simultaneously? Okay, yes. After the, ju- after the Great White Throne Judgment? Prior to this event here. Mm-hmm. Prior to this event. Everybody who died at, be, before this event. Okay. Went to Hades. No one see that's a lie. I have a show coming on 
um, that no one goes to heaven. And really, it's called the heaven deception. Right. You can watch that, listen to that show. I explain that really the Bible never teaches anybody goes to heaven. What what you do when you die, up up until this point, right, is everyone went to Hades when they died. It's a waiting. It's a realm of the dead. You know, right. see, God creates realms, and one of the realms that this, that our souls went to when we died back then in the biblical days was all of the souls that, of everybody who died went to Hades, and they awaited basically resurrection. Right. And this is what we're going to get to the part where everyone's going to get. Now we're getting to the part where everyone's getting resurrected now, because death and Hades were both cast into the lake of fire. Now, lake of fire was on New Earth, right? And this is what happened on the Great White Throne Judgment as well. The Great White Throne Judgment, everyone gets judged as well, and of course the 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 wicked get punished and get cast into the lake of fire. And, and the Bible also says outer darkness. It calls it a number of things. But the righteous then are going to receive eternal life and are going to be citizens of New Jerusalem. Okay, so yeah. the beast and false prophet were already there. So then death and Hades joins them. Well, death and Hades are just warehouses. Of, of it, there's places where the dead were warehoused right. for most of human history. But the dead, right. they're judged again, right? With, before this, the wicked and the righteous were judged. The dead were judged. Well, only the dead were judged. Well, I know, but I'm saying yeah. whatever, whoever was in the de- death and Hades, right, were judged prior to this. This is the time. It's Great White Throne Judgment is right. when they got so their due. It's all simultaneously right. then, right? It's saying. kind of all at the same time. Right. All this events kind of all transpire they're at once. Like six, yeah, yeah, they're all like all in one because what he did was then there's no place to warehouse the dead now. Where are the dead going to go? Right after this. Well, that's well, the what dead I'm now are, are, yeah. God has a new plan for the dead. Now he he changed realms now, and now he what he did is he took death and Hades, the warehouses for the dead, right. for most of human history, and he merged them with the lake of fire. Right. And so that is where all the wicked dead go from here on. And out. that's where yeah the beast and false prophet. That's where the beast and the false prophet went. So all the wicked baddies go there. All the wicked baddies, <laughs> right, go to the lake of fire now. They don't go to death and Hades. Okay. Most of human history, they went to death and Hades. Now, it's a new, it's a whole new story now. Right. All transpires right around 70 AD, right around there. So, I mean, this is kind of confusing here. It, it's just a and, little, but I think if you can kind of separate it out in your mind and you go, okay, this makes sense and this makes sense, and then it's kind of like these steps. If you just, like, you know, put them in, the, in succession order... That just is really what happens, you know, that something has to happen first and then the other. And then you can kind of like they fall right in line. Okay, so Death and Hades, they get merged with the Lake of Fire and the Wicked Dead go there. Right. Now, the next thing that happens. New Jerusalem descends out of heaven. And this is where the righteous dead now go from here okay. on Okay. See, before, when you died, if you were righteous or you're a wicked, you, you went to Hades. Yeah, Hades then that, that, right. There was two right. sides of Hades there. Right, the good side and there the bad. There was a good side and a bad side of Hades, right. and the Bible speaks of all this stuff. But now that death and Hades were, was combined with the lake of fire, God made a new place now, which is new earth. See, new earth is where all the dead go now. Right. Whether you're good or bad. If you're righteous, you go to New Jerusalem, and you're a citizen of that city. Right. If you're wicked... You go to outer darkness or the lake of fire. There's called a number of things in the Bible. Right. At, well, essentially, it's outside the city. Well, I was going to say. Yeah, you aren't allowed it, in. Isn't it yeah. outside in New Jerusalem? Yeah, you're not allowed inside New Jerusalem because only the righteous are allowed in there. Well, because outside New Jerusalem is where the weeping and gnashing of teeth are. Right. And are they doing that in the lake of fire? That's the lake of fire. Okay. It, it's called a number of things. It's, it's obviously outside of New Jerusalem. Okay. Okay, New Jerusalem, which is a massive city, you know, right. it's huge. The Bible gives us even dimensions on it. Right. And it's a huge city, but everyone outside that city are is where weeping and gnashing of teeth okay. are. That's where the wicked dead go. Right. They get judged and put out into outer darkness, and then the righteous dead... Go into New Jerusalem. Go become citizens of New Jerusalem. They get eternal life and all that right, good stuff. Right, right, right. You know, we, we, get, we get all the goodies <laughs> if you're a righteous person... And the people that didn't want to choose Christ, they rejected exactly. him. Well, you know, they, they got, they're they going to get what they deserve. 
Well, judgment comes. And comes what's going to happen is they're going to get exactly what they wanted all along, a life without Christ. Mm. But see, I, I think what most people don't realize is they don't realize how bad things are when you take Christ out of the picture. They're going to get thrown into outer darkness because that's what they wanted. They don't want to be in the light of, of God. Mm. Basically, God just gives you what you want. Right. What you're, the way you're living your life, God just gives you that. Oh, you want you want this kind of life? Well, you're going to get it. But if you're going for eternal life, the light of God, then that's what God will give you in the end. Mm. It's really simple. God's not some tyrannical God. He's just giving you what you are living for right now and want. Right. Now, you may not understand that this is what, what what's going to happen. And I think you'll kind of regret it in the end. You'll, mm. And that's why there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth over there. Right. Weeping is you're, weeping means that you're crying, right. and gnashing of teeth means you're angry. Yeah, you're going to be angry. You know why? Because you're going to wish you were in that other well, city. Well, I, I think what it is, the combination of the two is regret and remorse for not doing what they, they knew they should have done. Yeah. You know, I mean, you That's think about true. people, they're angry because they regret not doing something, or the weeping is remorse because they knew they knew the right, or they knew what was right, but they didn't choose it for whatever reason. What happens after New Jerusalem descends out of heaven and all the righteous get their get their spot there? Okay, what happens Satan next? is bound for a thousand years. Okay, Satan gets basically bound in the abyss mm-hmm. for a thousand years. Now, a lot of people, what's the purpose of this? Well, here's why. Now, if you understand what happened beforehand, you'll understand what the purpose behind the millennial reign of Christ was. Christ essentially took everyone, all the righteous, off the earth and gave them their reward. What needs to happen now? He needs to reign on earth again, reseed the gospel on the earth again. That That's okay. the purpose before the millennial reign, is that they, the first resurrected, which were with Christ, that plan all these churches, they're priests of God. Guess what? They're going to be priests of God trying to expound the gospel again to the nations right. that survived the onslaught of the judgment against the nations that they were on to, that were on this they earth. Have right. to re, yeah. um, Reseed the gospel exactly. message. Because remember, all the righteous people got their reward. That's all you have left is the wicked now. Mm-hmm. This is what's going on now. After that event happens... And all the angels crush, you know, seven so, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls, all that. Christ is going to send out his priests. And, that, and this is the reason why I think a lot of the churches today mm-hmm. call their, quote, people that are heads of their churches priests. Ministers. Mm-hmm. They call them priests because right. that's what the, the all the first resurrected did during that first millennium. They were priests setting up churches. And we have these things on, on these, these old churches also kind of continue with these kind of ideas. Right. Of course, you know, they were, of course, the resurrected, so they never got married. So that's why I'm saying even priests today, you, you, they're not allowed to get married. Why? It's because it's holdover from when the priests were actually the first resurrected. Mm-hmm. I, think. I think a lot of these holdovers, like calling them priests, Having them not being married, because remember, the first resurrected, they, they, they weren't, they didn't neither marry nor are given in marriage. Right. But they were like the angels of heaven, you know. The purpose behind a thousand year reign of Christ was to reseed the gospel message on the world again. Right. After the, the judgment against the nations. Right. And that's what exactly what happened. Satan bound for the thousand years, and then what happens next? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay, after the war's over and everyone is, is settled. The marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. That's mm-hmm. all, that all happened after the war is over and everything else. Okay. okay. What's next? The thousand-year reign of Christ and the Holy Ones. Okay. Again, I already kind of talked about the purpose behind the thousand-year reign of Christ and mm-hmm. the Holy Ones. To reseed the gospel message in the world. And it wasn't all a utopia. Yeah, and it wasn't a utopia situation. It was send the, the, the saints out throughout the whole, the, the whole world to re-evangelize the world. With the gospel message. Well, and then if you when we read that in other um, shows, but that basically there was a tribute brought to where the city is. Well, that's in Zechariah fourteen. Right. Yeah, uh, there was. And that I was mean, another yeah. another part of that um, happening was to kind of lure. I don't want to say lure, but that's kind of the idea that they. Um, well, they use that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're getting to that part before, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of complicated what exactly kind of happened here, but of course, Christ. With the saints for a thousand years, 
in getting an un, things in an unwalled city. Get, yeah, getting things set up mm-hmm. so that we he, they can evangelize the world again, and that's essentially what we have now. We have right. it a whole oh, the whole world evangelized once again. Not a single country on earth doesn't have the gospel message now. There's churches on every single nation on earth. That's why there's no reason to go evangelize. Oh, I'm going to send my mission trip over to this other country. Are you telling me that other country has no Christians there? <laughs> See, this is a question I always ask people. Are there no Christians or are there no believers in that country? If there are believers there, then they need to be doing their job and getting the gospel message out to their own people. Right. Just like you and I need to be doing with our own people. See, mm-hmm. I just think if everybody worked in the area they, they worked in, everything would be fine. But see, what we have to do is we feel like, oh, it feels so good to go to another country and help spread the gospel message. Well, no, you're not spreading the gospel message because it's already there. I don't know what you're doing. You're wasting money is what you're doing. And you're wasting time and energy that you could be spent evangelizing the area that you live in right now. And that's why I encourage everybody to do. Wherever you live right now, just evangelize the area that you're in. Grow where you're planted. Yeah. I mean, because that's where God has us. There's no reason to go to another country unless there's absolutely no church there. I'm not understanding why we think that, oh, I need to go to the other country and and, and plant a church there. Wherever you live, just evangelize the area that you live. Just talk to friends. Talk to family members. Talk to neighbors. Talk to people that you know. This is what we all need to be doing. If everybody did this, we wouldn't need to send missionaries out to all these countries because guess what they already have believers there there's no reason to send missionaries everybody just needs to be doing what they need to be doing okay so what's what's next after the thousand year reign of christ and it took a thousand years to solidify the gospel message to the entire world again and then after that what happens the end of the millennial reign of christ and the saints and then that happens around 1070 a.d because remember there's a Thousand-year reign of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So then you have, at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, it's 1070 AD, right, right around that. Exactly. So that's the beginning of the second millennium. Now, you know, we're in the beginning of the third millennium. That was literally the end of the millennial reign of Christ. Let me explain something. That was almost a thousand years ago. <laughs> that, yeah, that got right. over, okay? That's why I'm saying a lot can happen in a thousand years. This is what has happened is a lot of the deception has gone on at, Tricking everyone into believing all the stuff hasn't happened yet. Well, that's because they've had a thousand years to cover it all up. Of all the stuff that happened back then, and that's the reason why, yeah. And, of course, it wasn't utopia situation during the millennial reign. It was just designed to get the gospel message reseeded on the world. Right. And that's what, essentially, they accomplished that. And to preserve the gospel message through all time, mm-hmm. which is what they did. Let's go ahead and move on here. What's the next thing after the end of the millennial reign? Satan is loose to deceive the nations for a little season. Okay, Satan gets out of that abyss after the thousand years. And he's hopping mad, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So what he's going out and doing is deceiving the nations to go to war against the camp of the saints and the Holy One. If things were so great during that thousand year reign of Christ like everybody thinks it's going to be, why would Satan be able to deceive a bunch of people to go to war? And the Bible describes this horde. As being a massive army. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like just a few people that are, are disgruntled. It sounds to me like there was a large percentage of people that were wanting to fight Christ. And fight the Holy One. And what they were doing on this earth for the thousand years. Well, they wanted what they had um, acquired in that during that millennial reign. They wanted what treasures they were Well, you know, there's a lot going on. You have to listen to other shows. Explains a little bit more about what I think happened during the millennial reign. I think that, and I I don't, we don't have time to get into that here. But the whole point is that after the thousand year reign, you have this massive army that is all of a sudden where all these evil people show up. This is why I'm telling you, folks, that even in your Bible, it tells you that there wasn't. After the millennial reign of Christ, it wasn't paradise. I don't understand why people think somehow that, oh, I can't wait for the second coming of Christ in the millennial reign to show up. Well, I think it's because we have also been conditioned in our society or this fairy tale storyline that evil runs amok and then good always prevails over the evil and then it's happy, the end, everything's done and there's no, no bad stuff happens anymore. And I think we're conditioned to the point where we think, oh, when Jesus returns, everything everything's going to be honky-dory, no problems, he's not going to have any enemies, he's going to reign in a tranquil, peaceful world. 
Yeah, and nothing could be further from the truth because all of a sudden, right after the thousand years is up, Satan somehow mobilizes this huge army. Well, yeah, somehow I mean, he gets released, and then within a couple hundred years. Well, I don't, we don't even know how long okay. Satan's little season was. Okay. Honestly, I, we don't know. You know, I, I doubt it was more than a couple hundred years. But the point is, is it was all over and done with. You know, way you know we know the tools, the weapons they use for the war, so we know that that was in our ancient past, right? Essentially, right. But the point is, is like he mobilized this whole army to go up against, go to war against Christ. So the people were there's a lot of disgruntled people. But that happened during when Christ had the children of Israel too. You know, in right. the Old Testament, they weren't some oh every, now that God's running everything on Israel, everything's just so peaceful and nice over there. No. If you read your Old Testament, you'd see that things didn't go well. Right. When you had the co- the, the old covenant system. Right. So, again, with, even with the new covenant system, things don't always go well because people don't follow it. That's right. simply right. what's going on. If everyone followed God's word and followed Christ like what they should, we wouldn't have all these problems. But what happens is people think they know better than God. They know right. better than Christ, and so that's the reason why you have this horde going after them, and then everybody, you know, scared of this ma- major horde. The Battle of Gog and Magog. So what happens next after after that? Battle of Gog and Magog is after... Okay, that's found in, you know, Revelation chapter 20 and right. Ezekiel right. 38 and 39. And this is, of course, a massive army that right. goes up. How did this massive army show up? Why are they going up against... If everything was so hunky-dory and peaceful right, during the thousand right. reign of Christ. How did they did, did state, was Satan able to mobilize a whole army well, yeah, with everyone, his satanic forces? If everyone's heart was for the Lord during um, his millennial reign, then there's no way that a bunch of evil people and forces could unite. Then this is why you know that it wasn't <laughs> like what the people think it is. See, people that think, oh, I can't wait for Christ to return and everything will be, oh, all problems are going to be solved. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I'm re- All you have to do is read your Bible to see that's not the truth. Even let's say I'm wrong and Christ hasn't returned yet. Let, even let's say I'm wrong about that. The Bible describes... It, everything's not going to be hunky-dory right after Christ it, Christ comes back and reigns on this earth. Right. Because so many people are going to be in a, opposition to his reign that's going to be, make everybody else miserable. That's what's going to happen. And Just like today, what do you think's going to happen? you got a bunch of unhappy, miserable people that are running this world right now. This is what is going to ha- happen throughout the most of human history. People don't want to accept what Christ has to offer, and so they're miserable. They don't have love in their hearts. They're angry. They they have everything evil in their hearts, mm-hmm. and so they make it miserable for everybody else. Right. And this is exactly what you see happening throughout most of human right. history. Okay, what happens next after the Gog-Magog war? Obviously, they lose that war, exactly. and then that's kind of actually... Oh, no, we gave it away. <laughs> you know how you don't like... You, you don't want to give away the spoiler. end. Yeah. But see, that's really the last major, really, um, biblical event in, in human history. Well, is the Gog Magog war right? Yeah. And then Satan or the devil is thrown into the lake of fire. Okay, and so he gets thrown in there with the beast and the false prophet and all the other wicked baddies. and all the other <laughs> wicked baddies, right? That were thrown there, and so now Satan's over there too, right? Okay, so that's where there. That's the that. So that's on, on New Earth. That's we're on Old Earth. That's New Earth is where the lake of fire I think is. Right. So that's where he got he gets thrown. But you know what? What? We don't know if he's actually been thrown there. I I was thinking about this for a minute. Why are you saying that he's not Because there's there? no time stamp that tells you immediately after the Gog Magog war is when Satan gets thrown into the lake of fire. It just says that it he just gets says thrown there. He gets thrown into the lake of fire so where the beast and the false prophet are. Exact amount of time so he he God could be allowing him to roam around on this earth too. I was thinking about this. It gives no time period hmm. from the end of the Gog-Magog War to when Satan gets thrown in the lake of fire. Hmm. I mean, it, it sounds kind of like it's pretty close to the right after the war, but it could be for, you know, eons. We don't know. Well, you know. Because the Bible doesn't get, say, doesn't say, oh, immediately after that or within a certain amount of time, Satan gets thrown in the lake of, lake of fire. We, it doesn't say that. I, I, I was going to go out on a limb and say that God is pretty generous with the way he deals with satan because he doesn't seem to he doesn't take him as a threat that's for sure satan's really a tool god <laughs> god uses him as a tool and he gets 
oh, I, you know, Satan thinks he's got the upper hand always, and then, of course, God has a plan to, devised to always defeat him every time. And, it, you know, does, it doesn't really work. I, I, I'm just going to make a little light joke here, but I keep thinking of this, and it just seems, oh, you remember back when we were kids, and there was cartoon with the Roadrunner and the Coyote. The Coyote thought he was smart, and he could always get the Roadrunner. And the Roadrunner is always one step ahead. <laughs> right. Well, right. I was thinking that kind of is like a symbolization of God and the devil. <laughs> well, l- l- let's read about this when Satan gets thrown in the lake of fire. See? Okay. Okay, this is in Revelation chapter 20, okay? Let's go ahead and read verse 9 there, and we're going to read 9 and 10. Okay. And this explains what happens with the gog Magog war and the devil thrown in the lake of fire. Okay. Go ahead. They went up on the breath of the earth. And surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Okay, that was the armies that surrounded us, the God made God war armies. The devil, who deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Okay, it just says the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. It doesn't give a time frame. There. Okay. Now, it kind of sounds like it's pretty close to after the war. Yeah. I mean, just the way it's described there. But you just never know, because without the Bible actually stating, oh, no, immediately he went in there. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. It just says the devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire. Right. Now, we don't know if that's immediately or uh, God's going to give him a few thousand years and then throw him in the lake of fire. Right. It kind of sounds more of like an immediate thing, but because I can't be absolutely certain, I, I, I'm i not going to say one way or another. You know, right. when, if Satan was, is thrown in the lake of fire now, or right. God's allowing him time before he throws him in the lake of fire. Could be, he's still got time that he's using to deceive all the world today, and he's still roaming around. We don't know. I mean, right. that's really the last event, really, in in the, the biblical timeline, and we're living in a post-Satan's Little Season age. Right. That's the last event, is yeah. the post-Little Season's age. We're, the age after Satan's Little Season, mm-hmm. and where the end of that war, now we're living in a, in a day and age after that, and now we just have to live our lives for God and Christ and try to evangelize. Of course, you know, we have e- evil, wicked demons running the world right, right now, right. and it could be Satan's around. We, I mean, we don't know. I mean, it doesn't say exactly when after that event he gets thrown in the lake of fire. But what's Im- so. important to know, and, and I love, we kind of addressed it earlier, that everyone was judged at the great, great white throne judgment. They were all dead. So the idea and understanding, I know a lot of people, it's nice to know the order of these events because, you know, we are very blessed to not have to go through the tribulation. Well, we we're blessed not to, to have to go through most of that. Right. I mean, we yeah. That. Yeah, we don't have to go through any of this. This is just what's happened in our history. And now we can look back and go, whew, you know, we got through that. But now what we have, we live in a world that's heavily deceived right now. And so what we have to do is keep our eyes focused on Christ, focused on what God wants for our life. Right. And then we should be good to go. But we're all going to have to die. That's what I was trying to say, is that we're all going to have to taste death. At death, we receive our judgment. Right. So Whether good or bad. So it's beautiful that we don't have to go through that, and we're not going to be rescued or anything, but we will all have to die because... That's what happens, that death has to occur before the judgment. The mark of the beast is over, folks. <laughs> the Antichrist, it's our ancient past. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, all that's over. Great tribulation, ancient history. Return of Christ, it already happened. First resurrection, already occurred. The great white throne judgment already occurred. Right. Okay, the millennial reign already occurred. The Battle of Armageddon already occurred. The God Magog War already. All the events that wow. you hear yep. all these guys tell you about, they've all occurred. And now we receive our judgment upon our enduring to the end of this right. life, and we get judged, right. whether good or bad. And that's really beautiful because really, what our, our real sole purpose is first of all to accept Christ, to live for Him all the days of our life, and ministering his his word and loving those around us 
to um, help them and to pray for those who need to be received Jesus. And then just live our lives in obedience to him and his spirit within us. And then upon death, we receive that reward of how we lived. Well, yeah. We're going to be judged based on what we've done mm -hmm. in this life. Mm -hmm. If you do good and you're lo you love your neighbor and you do what Christ asked you to do, you're going to get rewarded based on that. Well, and that's it's, that You phrase, reap what you sow. That's the phrase that people hear throughout a couple of the early books in the New Testament. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, to hear that, you actually have to do a good job. You actually have to be working hard at, to hear that. You can't just skate on by and hope that you get to hear that. No, it's actually through your, I hate to say this, maybe by through your works, <laughs> you know, but you have to work at, you know, putting your flesh down and living for God and being obedient and walking faithfully and, and you know, growing in your faith. This is all about growing in your faith. Seeing the scriptures for what they are and accepting them and growing your faith. I think so many people are in this old faith. You know, they don't want to accept and receive this timeline because they're stuck at a certain event that they're waiting to happen for them. And I think that's really sad. Yeah. You hear people on the radio and preachers and whatnot that are stuck at early part of this timeline and they cannot get out of it because they've been conditioned to believe that that's for us. When if you read the scriptures and you see that this has all been sequentially occurred, that you can have peace and you can walk in this life that we're given in trusting the Lord in what his word teaches and through his spirit. Well, it all has to do with the age we're living in. Mm -hmm. The previous, the end of the previous age, the one that Jesus was living in, he judged the living and the dead. Right. And he basically gave a resurrection to the living and the dead. Right. They were, it's all based on what they did. Now that's the same is true with us. Right. They, they did, he just, that, that was the end of that age, beginning of the new age, which is 70 AD from here on out. Everyone who, we're gonna, who lived and died, God's going to just judge us based on what we've done mm -hmm. with our lives. If you did good, if you're, you love your neighbor, if you love God, you, you do what Christ asked you to do, guess what? You're going to be just fine. Right. But if you're living a life of sin and depravity, God's going to give you exactly what you want in the next life. Right. The way you're living right now, guess what? You're going to get that in the next life. It's not, it, this, this is not a cruel thing that God's doing to you. Right. God's giving you the way you're living your life right now. How are you living your life now? That's how, that's where you're going to get in the next life. Exactly. Okay, you have to kind of look at it this way. Is it God being a cruel God? No. He's giving you exactly what you are, are living and what you're doing. The way you're living your life. This is why, if you're deceived, stop being deceived. Right. This is what my show's really all about. Because we're living in a post- Satan's Little Season <laughs> 2.0. Not only because it's biblical. But because it's the only thing that makes sense. Join or contact us at satanslittleseason.org. This is a non-copyright, living in Satan's little season production.